Hello, my friends. This is Chad. You're listening to the Cliff Notes feature of the Naked Leadership Podcast. Every Friday, we post a condensed version of this week's episode. Those of you that have little time to listen or want a quick reminder of the principles we discussed, we made this for you. If you're looking to enjoy the full conversation, just navigate back to the previous episode and you can listen to it in its entirety. Otherwise, get ready because there's a lot here in under five minutes. Let's go. If I want my team to work, that is up for grabs. That question, do you want your team to work? Do you want to have a team that stays? And do you want it to be healthy? You can assume that that's just a yes and yes, but it's not. Some people don't want a team. Some people don't want a team to be healthy and be connected. There's lots of reasons to not have that. Um, But let's say you do want a team to last and you love these people and you want to do it for the next 10 years together. What is it wise for me to have a really clear sensitivity for? so that I can see trouble when it's a 0.5 instead of waiting to, like most people, they went to troubles at 10 out of 10. What can I notice when it's small? What are the indications of small cancerous you know, conversations that end up killing a team? Thinking about the things I've seen and participated in that I've contributed to the breakdown with other teams I've either put together or have been part of for you know pride, gossip, laziness, and negativity. There's a proverb that says, "Guard your heart, because from it come the flows, the issues of life." And so, guard the heart of the culture of my team, uh, how we work together, because from it come the issues that we're going to end up navigating with each other. And so pride, gossip, these basically laziness and negativity are constant. It's not like criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. It's not like you're not to have those. It's like, do I recognize when I'm in them? But first, what happens is what happens on a team when pride and gossip and laziness and negativity start to take over? Where do you first see that? And what usually triggers that off? And I, that's why I start with pride, because I think that's where it begins. And I think the rest flow off of that. There's two senses of pride because pride's used like a healthy sense of self-respect and self-esteem. Dignity is not what I'm talking about. That often is what people mean in the culture, like I'm proud of my team. But the pride I'm talking about is hubris. And hubris is an inflated sense of oneself and the need to look center of attention, the need to be acknowledged and constantly held up, look for external validation. I do what I can to keep myself. If I didn't have the idea, then it wasn't a good idea. That happens is people tend to withdraw and they tend to start to gossip about how difficult it is to get edgewise, or they've got to accommodate by making it, you know, my idea. It's interesting because pride breeds cowardice. And if they don't get what they want, they're afraid to risk because they might lose the attention uh, and they'll start to gossip in order to undermine other people so that they don't look so bad. If credit's a big deal, then I'm going to take it into my identity. And the minute I do that, it stokes my pride. And now I'm going to find myself defensive in a bad way. The other thing is, well, you shouldn't be defensive. Well, actually, sometimes it's important to defend the idea, not yourself. There is a place for defense. It's an open defense. It's like, this is how I see it. This is what I think. Now tell me what you think. But that pride cuts learning off because I can't learn because I'm already the one. People that joke 
about being a perfectionist. Like they say it like, oh, darn, you know, I wish I wasn't such a perfectionist. It's uh, okay. I have a strung out a tightrope in my life and it's called perfection. And I'm going to spend all my time thinking about that tightrope because I can't fall. Because if I were to fall, then I'm not who should think of me as. I'm not who I think I am. And that is, even if I'm always talking about how I messed up, that's so much pride as well, because it's still the obsession about who I am and who I ought to be. It takes a lot of balls, it takes a lot of guts and courage to accept the things we don't like about ourselves. It's a big leap for most of us because, I don't know, It's a, I've always said, I don't know, for the last, when Brene Brown, you know, hit the world with the big shame conversation, it elevated uh, what I've always thought. I know from my lived experience that like when I was a teenager, shame came and who I shouldn't be and who I couldn't be and who I needed to start performing to so other people didn't blah, blah, blah. You know, I just think shame is like the real global pandemic uh, that won't ever be going away. So might as well start seeing it. But you can't shift anything you can't see. You can't shift anything you don't accept because it's not in your hands yet you know but if you accept something then i can see it it's like oh no no okay it's here here it is look at this without having judgment of it that's what i like about the buddhists or whatever like the whole non-attachment idea 